He fumbled over his response for about two minutes. And that was one of the first times that I saw that he was just willing to lie on the record. She never th suspected that that was unusual and that he really took advantage of her. And so the police show up at the neighbor's house and they quickly find out that she's got a problem with her investment advisor. sixties lost her husband to cancer, leaving her as the primary caregiver of their adult disabled daughter. Left with money from her husband's estate, she turned to the person she thought she could trust, her financial advisor. Unfortunately, her trust was misplaced. After spending over $300,000 of her money, that's where my office stepped in. Hello and welcome to Real Life Regulators, NASA's first podcast aimed at educating investors using real cases. My name is Liz Mullen and I am an attorney with the State of Connecticut Securities Division. Joining me today are my colleagues, Associate Financial Examiner Michael Bissett and Staff Attorney Elena Zweifler. We're here to talk about what happened, what went wrong, and what you can do in the future to best protect yourself. Mike and Elena, welcome to the show and thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get into the case, why don't you start off by telling us who you are and what you do. Mike? My name is Mike Bissett. I'm a Financial Examiner here at the Connecticut Department of Banking. I work in the Securities Division. And the easiest way to describe what I do here is I uh, investigate white-collar crime as it relates to investments. Um, I'm a staff attorney at the Department of Banking, also in the Securities Division. Um, I handle enforcement cases, which really means um, I help initiate cases against individuals and firms who have allegedly, or we feel, have violated um, the security statutes. So why don't we get started, and Mike, tell us how the case came to you. Well, this case was referred to us by the Connecticut State Police. So our victim in this matter, she's a widow in her 60s. Her husband recently passed away of mesothelioma. She has an adult-age special needs child, and she wanted to purchase a house that was on a bus route so that her child could be more independent. And she told her financial advisor that she wanted to purchase this house and she needed to take money out of her investment account. And her financial advisor said, oh, I'm sorry, you can't do that right now. And you know, that's a red flag to me or anybody working here, but it really wasn't to her at the time. And she went over her neighbor's house and told her neighbor this story. Her neighbor is her self-described only friend in the world. And, uh, and her neighbor became upset and raised his voice and said, this is your money, you know, you're, you're being taken advantage of. So she went home and the victim called the police on the neighbor. On the neighbor? Yes, on the neighbor. It was hard for her to understand the matter and what was going on, but the neighbor got it right away. And uh, so when the police got there to interview the neighbor and the neighbor told the story, the police immediately started taking a look at the financial advisor. What happened in this case? Well, our financial advisor, he's a, a stockbroker and an investment advisor, um, so a person who provides investment advice for a fee uh, in his late 20s. And he offered the victim an investment opportunity to invest in his own private company, which is something called selling away. Didn't tell his broker dealer about that. And what is selling away? Selling away refers to 
if you're selling a security without the supervision of your broker dealer. And he had a broker dealer? He did. He worked for a broker dealer at least part of this time. And then he stopped his affiliation with a broker dealer during the, the later part of it. But uh, he met with our victim every Tuesday. He testified every Tuesday. He met with the victim in a coffee shop because she was a, a remarkable woman. And, uh, and, and he managed to get many checks out, written out to his company for investments. Is this normal to meet with your financial advisor weekly? Not at all in my experience. Uh, a lot of people just meet with their advisor once a year or maybe twice a year. Um, he knew that she was receiving settlement money from her husband's death. So I think that that was part of the reason why he was meeting with her. He knew that she had the money. He wanted the money. So what goes through your mind when you start seeing things like this? Well, in this particular incident, it kind of pulled at my heartstrings because this woman was in her 60s. She had just lost her husband and she has an adult age special needs child and she doesn't have a job. Uh, so I think the chips were kind of stacked against her. She needed all her money and then she gave a, a, a very large portion of it to this guy who kind of spent it all. I think this is an um, excellent example of sort of like a typical um, elder fraud or taking advantage of a vulnerable investor. How is he getting the money from her? Well, he would tell her that, will you invest in my you know, XYZ company, which was wholly unrelated to his investment advisory business. And she would say, okay, I'll invest in their company, um, not really understanding what it was. And, then she would give him a check. That was one of the ways. Right. There was a couple other ways too, right? Right, and the other ways were that he would go into her investment accounts and sell off mutual funds that she owned, so some some valid securities that she owned that were making money to free up some cash so that he could wire himself money without even telling her. What stuck out about this case? Well, a few things stuck out about this case. One is that it's, it's a clear fraud in that what our financial advisor was telling our victim and what the investment document said is that her investment money would go to purchase distressed debt, and it never went to purchase distressed debt. It went to uh, paying off some company expenses and also hotels, travel, limousines, sporting events, expensive restaurants. The company's bank account had $50 or less in it, and sometimes it was negative, just before our investor put her money into the company. And then it would immediately go to pay the company's credit card bill and, and those personal expenses that I mentioned. Which also, I guess, led us to believe that the company wasn't really even a viable company. I mean, if they had virtually no cash in it, in its bank account. Right. It was a company that was earning some revenue, but it was just, it was struggling, and so they needed her money, and, and he preyed upon her. It was, like Elena said, it was a clear case of some elder fraud. Elena, when did you get involved in the case? Um, so I became involved um, after Mike did the initial investigation and um, subpoenaed certain documents. But once I got involved, that's when we brought the agent in and we spoke to him on the record and also got additional documents from him, which helped us put our case together. 
what made this case stick out to you? Um, well, I guess like we've been saying, it was pretty obvious that he was taking advantage of her, specifically that there was a fraud on her in terms of what she thought she was giving her money to him for. Um, it was clear from the bank records that Mike subpoenaed that they were using money, her part of at least part of her money to pay personal expenses, which is not what she thought at all. Um, so any documents, offering documents that she received, weren't consistent with how the money was actually being used. What happened next? So after we subpoenaed him and got testimony, um, in this case, we sort of lucked out the. the respondent or the agent was willing to settle with us and um, we ended up negotiating a settlement with him where he returned to her um, the $300,000 and he also was fined a certain amount. Is that a typical way to wrap cases up? Well usually we either wrap up a case with a settlement um, which is usually by consent order with the commissioner or if the person isn't um, open to settlement, we will issue a notice against that person or the firm. But in this particular case, it was it was lucky for all involved that the agent um, was able to pay her the three hundred thousand dollars back. What is the priority when you get a case like this? The priority is definitely to get restitution for the investor. In this case, was the victim the only person who invested? She was not the only person who invested. The first investors were uh, our financial advisor's parents. His father initially gave 200000 in and his mother gave 200000 in. Over a period of time, she took out a home equity line of credit and would just give him money on, on occasion. And so, and the, the father actually gave the financial advisor the money back so that he could probably stay out of jail so he could pay the investor back and so now the father is in it for like a total of five hundred thousand dollars so the three hundred thousand dollars paid back to the victim came from the advisor's father yeah one thing just we we sometimes talk about this but sort of goes under the the rug is that when we do settle with someone especially for this amount we do like to somehow um, get comfortable that the person isn't selling more unregistered securities or engaging in additional behavior or violative behavior to raise the money. So we always do ask, um, where are you getting the money from? And I think in this case, the person's father, the, um, the agent's father, we think was a surgeon, I can't remember exactly, and we were comfortable that the money was coming from him and that the agent wasn't raising it right. um, some other way. What could someone have done to try to prevent something like this from happening to them? Well, the first thing you can do is you can go to www.nasa.org, N-A-S-A-A.org, and right at the top, there's a button where you can contact your securities regulator, and you should you should definitely go and see. Um, who are the local cops on the beat. And what can your securities regulator do for you? Your securities regulator can help you figure out whether your financial advisor is, one, registered. If they're not registered, you definitely shouldn't give them any of your money. If they're registered, um, then you can start talking to them and, and see what 
they have to offer. And you mentioned that in this case, the victim wrote checks out to the financial advisor's personal company. Is, is that something you should, is that normal? That's not normal at all. As a matter of fact, it's frowned upon. You shouldn't be doing that. So what can a person do to make sure their money is going where they intend? You should always be writing your checks out if you're writing checks at all. You should be writing your checks out to the name of the broker-dealer, the, the company that uh, your financial advisor works for, or the custodian. And you'll see that information right on your account statement. Is there anything else people can do or any advice you have that, to, again, help them prevent this from happening? Well, you can always wait too. So if, if someone gives you, if someone proposes an investment idea to you, you can always wait. You don't have to invest right away. I think a lot of people get caught up in the high pressure sales tactics and they think you know, if you don't invest now, you're gonna miss out in the deal. Don't worry about that. Take that information home, sleep on it, contact your local regulator, make sure this person's registered and, and read the investment documents. Well, thank you both for joining me and for the work you do to protect the investors. That's it for today. And from Hartford, Connecticut, I'm your host, Liz Mullen. If you have any questions about today's episode or would like more information about the topics discussed, you can email us at realliferegulators at gmail.com. NASA provides this information as a service to investors. It is neither a legal interpretation nor an indication of a policy position by NASA or any of its members, the state and provincial securities regulators. If you have questions concerning the meaning or application of a particular state or provincial law, rule, or regulation, please consult an attorney who specializes in securities law.